All right. My favorite was the expired eggnog guy. All right. So what's it all about? It's about Jesus. And it's about Jesus because of this, because everything gets broken. Everything gets broken. And we're going to see a difference between things that are worth fixing and things that are not worth fixing. Have you ever had something that it just wasn't worth fixing? This is how all uh, new TVs work, right? Breaking five years, not worth fixing. They want you to buy a new one. All new appliances, not worth fixing. They want you to buy a new one. I had that happen oh, a, a couple summers ago. I'll show you this here, this picture, partly because it shows my kids when they were young, Lauren and TT and cute. But in the background of that picture was my truck, my truck that I had for many years. Uh, it was my Ford F-150, and not this summer, the summer before, I was driving home from church, actually, and uh, I was driving home, and I got on the freeway, and as I was driving home from here, this truck and trailer, a dump trailer, passed me, and as they passed me, the back end was full of dirt and debris, and it was just flying out on the freeway, and I was like, look at, look at this guy, what's he doing? He, this is a mess, and he should cover that load, and I was all upset, and he zoomed past me, I didn't think about it. I get off on my exit on Sunset, I'm heading east, and as I'm coming up to the stoplight, kind of in front of Walgreens there, he's in the left lane, that truck and trailer, so, and I'm in the right lane, the left lane's kind of backed up, and I'm in the right lane, no one's there, and I'm just looking at this guy, judging, like, why didn't he cover that load? And I notice the dump trailer has one of those retractable automatic covers on it. You just have to pull it out. And I'm like, look, he's got a cover right on there, and he didn't cover the thing. Judging, 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 judging. Um, and, look, and I'm not paying attention to the fact that I'm coming to an intersection with a red light because I'm judging, judging, judging. And uh, I proceed through the intersection, and bang, I clip the back of a car that did have a green light, and I caught him just behind the back wheel, so it spun him around, he made it through the intersection okay, and I pulled in and came out and I talked to him, everybody was okay, he said, well this car has 300,000 miles, I was kind of hoping to get a new one anyway, so I think I helped him, but then my truck wasn't so good, and so I limped it home and was trying to figure out, can you drive it, and I had to cut the bumper out of the tire because it had crammed it down in there. So I took it to get a line. To, I took it to an alignment shop. I'm like, is there anything you do with this? They're like, well, instead of your wheels being straight across from each other, they're like this now. Like, that's not how they're supposed to be. Like, oh, can you fix that? It's not worth fixing, right? It's a 20-year-old truck, 200-some thousand miles. They're like, I mean, you could fix it. It's just not worth the money. It's not worth it. You just need to move on. And, uh, and so... That's what I did. It just wasn't worth fixing, and we moved on, and I got a different truck. But that's what I want to talk about today. There's some things in life that aren't worth fixing. Appliances, broken trucks. We won't talk about the reason I crashed the judging part. But, um, but the Christmas story, the reason is about Jesus, is the Christmas story is when God proves that things are worth fixing, that we're worth fixing. And that's what the Christmas story, that's why it's about Jesus, because he's coming to fix a broken world, and he's coming to fix broken people. We are the ones who are broken. We are the ones that have a sense that we're facing death. Our society has disease, 
I mean, at this moment, there's various natural disasters. A typhoon just went through the Philippines. And then inside, we have this sense of shame and guilt that we live with and go, why can't we get this right? We're broken, but Christmas is God proving through Jesus that we're worth fixing, that we're worth doing something about. So what I want to do, I want to take us to the original part of the story where things got broken. And this goes all the way back to the beginning in our Bible, all the way back to the book of Genesis. It says God, he created two people. He created Adam and Eve and created us in a perfect paradise, gave them freedom to live and enjoy one another, enjoy being there. And he gave them one rule. He said, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. So they're in paradise, they're enjoying one another, they're enjoying the world God made. There was nothing broken, and God himself was connected to people. There was no barrier, there was no break. And then, this is where it gets broken. We see a serpent, we see a a figure enter that tempts and brings the brokenness. I'm going to read this from Genesis 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So right there, his thing is to twist God's words, to put the idea that God doesn't know and want what's best for you, really the idea that God's holding out on you. He's keeping good things from you. That's the enemy's lie, that God can't be trusted. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So what happens is everything just suddenly breaks. They're now naked, and they're ashamed of it. Instead of enjoying God visiting, they're hiding. And this is where sin enters the world. We're told in Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all, because all men sinned. We're all in this race. We all inherit sin and death. We all face it. And this is part of the result of sin and rebellion, as we're broken and we face death. But the Christmas story is about God fixing it, God deciding we were worth it. And right in this moment in Genesis, right there at the beginning, God already tells them the plan to fix it. I want to show you this in uh, in Genesis 3.14. God comes through and he speaks to each of the parties involved, and he pronounces some judgment, but he also pronounces this little line of hope. So in verse 14, he says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Then notice this line. This is where God makes a little plan to fix it. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, 
between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So you have the idea, the imagery here is a serpent and a person walking and you see a stomp on the head of the serpent. But in the process, there's a bite of the heel. So there's this promise that this force of evil will be stomped, will be crushed. But there's a little detail here I want us to see that, that points us to Christmas, even though we don't even realize it. He says, I'm going to put enmity between your offspring and her offspring. In the original language, it's literally seed, her seed. Now what's unusual about that is that in this time period especially, all uh, lineage was passed through the male. So it's unusual to speak of a woman and then seed. And then biologically, it's not quite right. You think of the male provides the seed and the woman, to use agricultural, the ground, right? We'll just leave it there. But the idea of seed, the word is not what goes with the woman. So it's very strange. He says, her seed, her seed will provide someone to crush the head. Her seed, the offspring the seed of the woman. So that's just laying out there. This is told centuries ago that God says there's going to be a fixing to this because you're worth fixing and something's going to happen uh, coming from a woman. And that's where we get all the way to our Christmas story. I want us to look a little bit earlier than the part that Dan read. In Luke chapter 1, there's this key detail that picks up what God promised way, way back in Genesis. So in Luke chapter 1, we have this young lady named Mary. Luke one twenty six. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, And try to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. That's a pretty fantastic announcement to this young gal. Not only telling him you're going to have a son, but this son is going to be in the lineage of the great king of Israel. And not only that, he's going to be actually the son of God, and he's going to have an eternal reigning king. You go, wow, right? We were just happy like at the ultrasounds. Is there a heartbeat? Okay, we're in good shape, right? She's getting information like, wow, this is going to be an eternally reigning king. But she's got a little question for the angel. Luke one thirty four, she said, How will this be since I am a virgin? It's literally, I have not known a man. And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And there's our link. The seed of a woman will be part of the fixing. And here, God sends his angel to speak to a woman who's not known a man and saying, you're going to have an offspring. It's not the normal human way because she says, I've not known a man. 
God says the power of God is going to come over you. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. It's the same image in the beginning of Genesis. Said the Spirit of God was hovering over the dark waters before he created life. Here he's hovering over Mary and saying, I'm going to put a child in you that's actually the eternal Son of God. The seed of the woman with the power of God. That's the link from Genesis. That's God saying, this is going to get fixed and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it in a way that you can't even imagine. That can't even be done any other way. That God thought we were worth fixing and Christmas proves that. God proves at Christmas. He proves in this announcement, I'm going to come. I'm going to put the eternal Son of God into your womb as a single cell. And he's going to grow. So why does that fix it? Why does her having this child fix it? What's the, what's the connection there? Well, look, let's look what the, uh, Dan read it for us earlier. Let's look what the angels said when they talked to the shepherds in chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. This is good news for us today. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. He's coming to save us. He's the anointed one, the chosen one of God, but he's also the Lord. This is what he's telling us. For us to be saved, for God to fix us, for God to fix the problem, the brokenness of sin, he comes himself. He comes as a human. He comes as a savior. Hebrews 2.14 says this, since, he, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, us, we have flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. The eternal Son of God takes on flesh and blood that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through, sorry, and deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So he doesn't just come as a baby and live and do some miraculous things. He comes and he ultimately takes our sin and our debt to a cross. He takes on our flesh. He dies in our place. And it says he delivers us from the fear of death. He delivers us from that very thing that was broken back in Genesis 3 by dying in our place. That's why God's fixing it. That's why this Christmas story is such good news. If I look over here in 2 Corinthians 5, this talks about what happens to us when we receive this gift. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you come to Christ, it's if you're remade right here, right now. That you are now no longer fearing death, you know, that death is an entrance to eternal life. That you're now no longer separated and hiding from God, that you're connected to God. That we don't live with a sense of shame because Jesus took our shame to a cross. He goes on to say, all this is from God. Right? God is who did this. He's the one that promised Eve. He's the one that, that does the miraculous coming. He's the one that dies on a cross. He's the one that rises again. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself 
Instead of us hiding, instead of us being separate, instead of us being disconnected from God in fear of God or saying, no, thank you, God, we're actually brought back together. A reconciliation, a restoring of relationship. And then he says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God is reconciling us, and how he's reconciled, he says, I'm not going to count your sin against you. I'm not going to hold it against you. I've already paid for it at the cross. And he's entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. See, once you come to Jesus and you receive this new life, then you get the joy of helping other people know that. Maybe some of you are invited tonight for that very reason, that someone in your life says, I want you to know that you can be reconciled to God, brought back to your Creator. Says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So that's what we get the joy of doing. We get to be ambassadors and speak on behalf of God to everyone we know, everyone in this room. Hey, you can be reconciled to God. Your sins can be forgiven. You don't have to face death and fear. So he says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in one sense, he said he made Jesus be our sin so that we could have righteousness, so that we can be reconciled. And that's why the whole Christmas story is about Jesus. That's why God proves at Christmas we are worth fixing. It's not like a truck where you get a new one. It's not like a TV where you throw it out. It's not like that. No, I, I want, you're worth it. You're worth fixing, and I'm the only one who can fix you. And so he promised to do it way back in the beginning, and then he does do it by coming in this whole miraculous Christmas story. And then he dies on a cross and rises again, and he says, now the message of reconciliation is going into the world. We can be reconnected to God. We can have our sins forgiven. We can be assured of life through death. We can know God now. We can have our shame removed. That's great news. So I was thinking about what could happen tonight. You could come in here, someone carrying shame, and leave here, someone feeling free. You could come in here saying, I don't know what my purpose in life is. And you can leave here going, I'm God's ambassador. I have a message of reconciliation. I have an eternal purpose to spread this. Right? We could come in here with a sense of, I don't, I feel broken. And you can leave here with a sense of, I'm being healed. Something new is happening. So it's, it's not just information. This is a night when there can be transformation. And it comes when we look to this Christmas gift of God sending his son and him dying for our sins, rising again, and us being reconciled. And it comes by faith. It's not something you do. It's something you receive. You receive that gift. You ask for it. You say, God, I need help. I need you. I'm broken. I want this gift. So let me pray. If that's something that's just God's talking to you right now, let me just encourage you. Just have a little moment to talk with him about this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this Christmas story. I thank you that you thought we were worth fixing. You did it in a way that only you could do. And we still are telling this message of reconciliation. 
I just pray for any right now. They're hearing that. They're processing that. Or they might call to you. They might even right now say, I want that. And Lord, for those who, of us who know this story and have known it, that you would give an urgency in our heart to be ambassadors, to spread. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We want everyone to know that they can be restored to God. They don't have to hide. We don't have to fear. We don't have to carry shame. We can be free in you. We can be new. We can have a purpose. Would you do these things? Would you do them tonight? Would you do them through this Christmas season? Would you do them in our family? Would you do them in our country? Would you do this in our world? We need you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's something you want more information about. I'd love to talk to you. We have some some uh, Bibles out there at the door. You can take one. You can stay after and find out more about this message, this ministry. But we want to uh, we want to sing some more about this good news we've heard. These next two songs, we're going to do our battery powered candle lighting. We kind of thought flame six inches from a paper mask, not good. Okay, so. Some of them engage from the top, some of them engage from the bottom. So if you didn't get one, they're just right outside those doors. But we're going to sing a couple more songs and and, uh, have our candles lit singing about this light of the world.